HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Dyed Green. I'm Kate McCabe. And I'm Max Sussman. Should I acknowledge that I've (laughs) lost my voice a little bit, but... We're pushing through it, and we are recording the intro to this podcast right now. We're doing it. And go. Victory Wabu Ekoma is the founding editor of Biazine, a magazine that celebrates the voices, food, and stories of immigrant communities in Ireland. Unlike most other food-related publications, Bia doesn't concern itself with the hottest new chefs or trends in food and restaurants. Rather, I would never just start a sentence by saying rather... <laughs> No one talks like Rather. that. Well, they should. So true. The zine is a place to highlight and share the stories behind the food. Ones which emphasize how immigrants live their identity, cultural heritage, and celebrate in their new homes through the medium of food. Even the title is multicultural, reflecting the zine's community-oriented focus. You might know the word bia in Irish means food. In Ibu, the bia means come. On this week's episode, we talked to Victory about how food stories can highlight the immigrant experience beyond the lunchbox cliche. The limitations of using food as a way to bring people together. Whether defining Irish food is even a useful practice at all. And how young people are using food as a way to express pride in themselves and where they come from. Victory, thank you for joining us on Dyed Green. Thank you for having me. But you are the editor of Biazine, and we want to talk to you a lot about that. But I thought we could start by talking a little bit about your background and how you came to be interested in food in the first place. Yeah, of course. Um, So when it comes to food and how I came to be interested in, it's kind of a, a, a weird, long and convoluted journey. I think it's not very straightforward. Um, I would have never said I had an inherent interest in the food world or the food scene or food in general. I kind of was the eating to survive kind of person. Um, And then over the pandemic, I kind of fell in love with food documentaries. And I figured that a lot of what I was falling in love with wasn't necessarily um, even though the food looked glorious, it was the stories that were really keeping me 
I'm drawn to these documentaries. And so with my work and the project that I'm doing with Bia, it's very centered on the stories behind the food and a little less on um, the food itself, although that's a huge part of it. So um, yeah, my journey into the food world is kind of ongoing and it's developing and my tastes and interests are expanding, but I'm very much interested in the stories um, and the people behind the food that I eat. Was there a specific documentary that you might want to talk about that captured your interest that's kind of set you on this journey? Yeah, I think I was... I was watching everything, to be very honest. But over the pandemic, there was like street food Latin America and street food Asia, a kind of centered on one person's story and took you through this journey um, episode by episode around a single story and then intertwined a lot of different other stories in there. And then there was High on the Hog um, on Netflix as well, which was a really great one because it kind of traced a lot of the history behind how food moved from um, you know, food moved across the African diaspora and sort of ended up where it ended up. And so I think those sort of stories that were kind of tracing and mapping um, histories and identities using food as the medium to do that really, really drew me in. And there was like, of course, Parts Unknown. On, when that came onto Netflix, I was like devouring that all over again. Um, and I think Chef's Table was really good as well. But again, it was for the stories and the way that the stories were kind of told um, that, that, yeah, that kind of just drew me in. And so what what was it that led you to decide that you wanted to use the written word or magazines as a way to connect people to those stories? Um, I've always kind of been a fiend for the zine and magazines and things like this. These, that's always been sort of my medium, um, my go-to medium when it comes to expressing myself or any of my ideas or anything that I've kind of been sitting on. So when I lived in Scotland, I lived there for four years and I had run a literary and arts magazine called Spilt Milk Mag. And that was just for, you know, allowing people to kind of share their thoughts and ideas, poems and art around a specific theme. So when I came back to Ireland and moved back here during the pandemic, I was looking for an opportunity to to kind of get into that medium again and find a way to kind of tell stories again through the zine, because I think it's a really beautiful way to kind of get people together around a singular topic. And yeah, with the convergence of like the Netflix binging and this like, interest in food, I was like, yeah, I'm going to use a zine to do that. And yeah, like I said, I've always loved that format. I, I'm a big fan of um, zines in particular and the DIY nature of them. And they're very like democratic, like you don't have to be an artist or a writer or anything really to kind of get involved in that world. And I really stress that point whenever I'm like, um, opening up submissions or allowing people to be part of this project. It's very much like, if you have anything to say, come and say it through B or any of my zine projects. And so, yeah, that's kind of why I decided to use the zine for, for something like this. And when you did start to open for submissions, who were you reaching out to? And was that the same as the people that you ended up publishing? Yeah, so for the zine, um, submissions were focused solely on people who came from immigrant backgrounds and were based or living here in Ireland. 
So that was the big thrust for me. And I was uh, slightly nervous that when you say zine, it kind of might feel like it's super arts-based and only artists or whatever could get involved. So I, I, I really stressed to a lot of people, um, especially my friends and family who aren't part of the art scene, to to submit, submit photos, submit poems, submit anything that you feel might be might be useful for, or might be, you know, people might want to read or want to hear about. And so that's what happened. I managed to reach out to, there was a lot of arts-based people, but I also managed to reach out to, you know, people in sort of my mom's colleagues, work, work colleagues, my mom herself, her friends, her family, and people who are in the background who want to be part of um, the zine. So, yeah. Do you think, you know, when you say immigrant, um, immigrant community, there's like almost an assumption of a commonality of experience, but... I would imagine that through the submissions and the content and the stories, there's also a, a wide range of diversity of experience. Like, how would you characterize that, like, in terms of what the stories have in common versus what's different between folks, depending on where they're coming from or their background or that type of thing? Yeah, I think I was really interested and definitely coming from an angle of wanting to, the slogan for Bia is celebrating our food and connecting our stories. And so I was really interested in um, the similarities between the immigrant experience abroad. Whenever you're an immigrant, especially from a community of color or an immigrant community that's you know typically com- coming from the global South, um, there is, while we have a lot of differences, there is somewhat these really common immigrant experiences and I think one of the biggest um, I suppose cliches of that is that for example lunchbox story that one everyone loves to tell of how like they went to school and their food smelled and no one liked them because of it right and so there's these stories that are kind of really common between us um, and I was really interested in sort of mapping and connecting them because I come from a Nigerian community and a Nigerian background and what I found was that being someone who's Nigerian, I wasn't really familiar with what was going on in any other community. I did not, like only through Bia recently that I've kind of been introduced to so many different communities, even in my town that, I mean, the Indian community community in my town is so vast and I never noticed it before. And so I think it was, it's been interesting to connect and map and be like, oh, um, you know, like, oh, you use these kind of spices. We have something similar, but not quite similar but almost kind of like like we understand each other and we speak a really similar language. I think in terms of the differences, it's been interesting to see how, especially on a generational level, I feel like B is a very intergenerational project. So no matter how old you are, where you're from, you can get involved. But it's been really interesting to see how identity kind of has been I don't know if contested is the word, but definitely been some a point of um, consideration for a lot of younger people in the migrant communities, people who would consider themselves third culture kids or first generation, you know, like kids of first generation migrants and stuff. People who, like myself, have never been or lived in Nigeria, but we are Nigerian and we live in Ireland all our lives. So we, you know, we have these really unique experiences. And I thought it was really interesting how um how we had a sense of uh, there was a lot of pride around our food and our culture and our community but also a sense of like trying to find the word here I think there's a sense of like you had a lot of the younger people being like I want to eat what I want because I want to and there was a lot of like um yeah a, a sense of pride around 
dark culture but also kind of like, like i don't like a kind of like a i don't care attitude like oh i will do what i want to do with my food i will fuse it with the cultures and the flavors that are feel authentic to me regardless of what you define as authentic um kind of that rebellious spirit around food and culture and i thought it was really interesting in comparison to some um, more traditionalists, if you will, when it comes to cuisine from different cultures, like there's people or there, there were people or stories who um, were very like, you know, I love the traditional way food is done or the traditional comforts of food or whatever. And then there's people who are like, I'm Filipino and Irish, therefore I'm going to fuse everything that I know about my identity together. And I really, I loved that. I loved the the sort of intergenerational differences in the way people approach food but the stories were really still similar about like using food as a medium to kind of be proud of your culture and be proud of who you are so yeah yeah that's great you know you touched on something that we had in our list of questions to ask you which was what does the concept of traditional mean in terms of food particularly as people continue to cross borders and bring different aspects of their culture with them. I think that's something that's um, really interesting that comes out in a lot of the stories that are told in the first issue of the magazine. Another question that we had is um, <clears throat> that we talked to a lot of the, the guests about on this podcast is what do you consider to be Irish food? That question is, it's a really interesting <laughs> question. Um, it's a really interesting question. I think Irish food for me is, um, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I think that's my true and honest answer um, because I'm Irish as far as I'm concerned, but I'm also Nigerian as far as I'm concerned. And my Nigerian food doesn't quite feel Irish, but um I don't know. It's it, it. That was always a really difficult question for me. I think that was that's always been a bit of a difficult question for me because, um, yeah, I think being both Nigerian and being both Irish, what is Irish food has always kind of felt a little bit not exclusionary, but maybe just a bit like, yeah, what do we mean or who are we referring to when we say what is Irish food? Are we referring to identity? Are you referring to the taste of the food? Or that question is always kind of. Um, confused me a little bit. However, I think my um, interest recently has been in a lot of what could Irish food be um, in terms of, you know, there's people through the zine, I got to speak to a lot of really interesting people who are fusing, if you will, or connecting their different identities, mixed identities and bringing together food that is rooted in Irish produce, for example, with traditional flavors and that's really exciting and that's really interesting I'm also really have been really interested in how people are using different techniques or methods to um to reinvent food that you know I might be familiar with as a Nigerian and the way that they're presenting it with different cooking techniques or different um yeah just really interesting ways to present food and that's been really interesting to me you don't see it an awful lot in terms of like um I, I've seen different cultures, maybe Filipino cultures or Asian cultures kind of really explore this. It's not as explored in sort of Nigerian or African cuisine um, here in Ireland, at least. And so I'm really interested and intrigued into what is Irish food or what could Irish food be when this new class of um, maybe it's millennial Nigerians here grow, uh, decide to kind of to explore what that looks like being both 
you know, fully Nigerian and fully Irish like myself in that way. I'm not the person to do that. Unfortunately, my cooking skills aren't quite there, <laughs> but I'm um, hopefully I'm really hopeful that there are people that are going to like emerge with that sort of desire to to challenge what is Irish food. Like, yeah, for because for now, for me, it's it's quite vague because Irish food doesn't seem to kind of be doesn't seem to quite include what I consider food for myself as an Irish person as well mm-hmm. as an Nigerian person. But I, I'm hopeful, I must say, um, because I'm seeing it in different cultures and communities. Yeah, I like that. I think probably the, the most common answer that we get to that question when we ask people is, is the produce. People mm-hmm. talk about rather than, you know, specific dishes or different kinds of cooking. People talk about the origin of the, about where the food comes from there, or they talk about great dairy. They talk about, you know, a certain kind of lamb that grows near them or a producer that they particularly like. But I really like the idea that you just presented about talking about what Irish food could be, Mm -hmm. because one of the most exciting things we think about what's available in Ireland today or Irish food is the different immigrant chefs around the country that are reinterpreting their home cuisines using local food, which I think describes really the changing nature of what's happening in Ireland around food today. Well, and just, you know, like after a certain number of generations, immigrant food starts to become incorporated into the, into the cuisine of the, whatever place it's in for lack of a better term. I'm sure there's like a more academic way of saying that, (laughs) but like there's a really interesting history about how like fish and chips was, you know, actually popularized by like Italian immigrants to Ireland. And now it's really just considered to be Irish food. If some, if you ask somebody what Irish food is, it's probably going to be like top five things that they say. And with so much more recent immigration, I think the way you're thinking about it is, very interesting. Like what will it, what will it be? What could it be? It's such yeah. an interesting way to frame that question, yeah. reframe that question. Yeah. It's, I think I, like you mentioned fish and chips. I always think of like in Britain, like the curry is both like fully British and fully Indian. And that's really interesting, right? Because like, yeah, you know, it's so interesting the way that, um, yeah, being British you, people are can claim stake to that curry. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, and I mean, it's it's optimism, and hopefully it's not unfounded. I really am like looking forward to seeing how that can shape and shift over time, like you said, with the sort of a, a fresh and a new face to the generation of chefs and cooks here in Ireland. So, yeah. Are there any particular chefs that you are a big a fan of personally? On that um, note. In Ireland, um, mm-hmm. I'm really I'm a big fan of Richie Castillo um, mm-hmm. from Baha'i, which is the Filipino food truck, and I think it's maybe slightly biased because there were some there were just incredible people to speak to for the zines. I really have a really soft spot for them, but also Richie's food is amazing, and I think that he really embodies the hope that I was speaking about there, where he takes both his Filipino, and Irish heritage and fuses it and brings it together in such a beautiful way with such beautiful food like over St. Patrick's Day weekend he had some incredible like food on sale around like a battered sausage but it was the Filipino um 
more traditional Filipino sausages, but like a battered sausage as we know it. And I thought that that was, it was beautiful, tasted amazing. Um, and just different things like that. I, he's a really great chef that exemplifies that. There's loads of chefs like that in London. Like I came across this, this food the other day or a picture of, um, a cuisine that the chef cooked and it was like a Guinness souffle with like a chin like a chin chin crumb which is like chin chin is a Nigerian um like a sort of like a fried biscuity doughy snack mm-hmm. and I was just like that is so cool because it's both <laughs> Nigerian and Irish and everything and what well, that's really really interesting um so I'm hoping that there's people like that that would do things like that here but Richie's doing that already with Filipino cuisine and Irish his Irish heritage really really well so I'm a big fan of his work of his food can you tell us a little bit about the name of the zine Bia means actually two different things uh yeah um, Bia means food in Irish, but it also means come in Igbo, which is my my tribe, my native. It's not my, I can't speak the language, but it is my family's language from Nigeria. And so Igbo means, yeah, Bia is comfort, is Igbo for come. And I, whenever I was thinking of the name, I was thinking of um, the sense of community and come and this idea of hospitality and um, being open. And so whenever I realized that they literally are spelled the exact same way and pronounced the same way, like Bia and Bia, it was really, that was very exciting for me. I felt like I hit jackpot. I was like, this is really cool because that's, this is what the zine is. It's about food, but it's also about community and hospitality and the sense of, um, yeah, just being open and celebrating food from I suppose people who typically go into countries as immigrants aren't the hosts. They're coming in as sort of the guests. But now the scene kind of creates this opportunity for them to be the hosts and for them to say, come and see what we're doing in our community. And that was a really exciting um, thing to come upon for the name of the zine, I think. What is next for you? How do you plan to take this project forward? Um, the zine is in its, I call it cycle two or season two. So there was the first issue that came out last September and a kind of protracted, um, hiatus, if you will, to kind of recuperate and figure out what the next steps were. And yeah, I recovered and I've come back (laughs) and um, I now have figured out what the next steps are and it's very much um, exploring more stories, opening up the zine for submissions and um, releasing another issue, but also trying to use different mediums to tell the stories as well. Because I think that we've only just kind of grazed the surface, if you will, of the stories and the people and the communities here in Ireland. Since doing the zine, people have been coming up to me everywhere like, oh, there's this happening in the Mauritius community or this happening in this community or that community. And you should, you know, come and I'll come to my party and see what's happening here. And so there's so much happening and I'm really interested in getting as many of those stories represented in, if not the zine and different forms, whatever artistic mediums that I can use to kind of tell the stories. Because for me, that's what the project is about. It's about centering and spotlighting immigrant communities here in Ireland. Um, so yeah, the zine is one one facet of that, but I'm really looking forward to hosting events and, you know, doing some video stuff and doing some whatever I can think of to kind of just continually continually spotlight the incredibleness of immigrants here in Ireland, but also the, the amazingness of their food, if those are words. 
Yeah. And you're doing a pop-up dinner soon? Yeah. Yeah. We're having a supper club on October 21st. Um, It's now Black History Month in the UK and Ireland. So we're in collaboration with Ngozi Alabuika, who runs Ice Spirits Wine Club, which is Dublin's first Black-led wine collective. We are throwing a supper club to celebrate Black History Month and celebrate the contributions and the influence of Black people here in Ireland. So it's called the Renaissance Room. And we have a chef coming in from London, Victor Okunuo, who was a Master Chef semi-finalist in 2020. He's Nigerian, so he's coming to yeah cook up an amazing Pan-African menu. So we're really excited for that. That's my first supper club, our first supper club, actually, at a launch event last year that went really well with food and music and everything. So hopefully... We are have a lot of high hopes for this event as well. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Since the, the first edition came out, have you had any events or opportunities for the people who have written articles to be able to come together or have conversations with one another? Yeah. So the whenever we launched the zine, we launched it at Hen's Teeth in Dublin and we had a really incredible opportunity to take over the space for the day. So they gave us the full run of the kitchen. They gave us the full run of the space and the programming. And so that was an opportunity for a lot of the contributors to come together to celebrate both their work being in print and to also just kind of kickstart that conversation around food and um, culture. Since then, we've not been able to do any events. Not necessarily that we've not been able to, but like I said, there was a slight hiatus around just trying to figure out the next steps. So in the interim, there was some talks that I did and some opportunities to kind of keep the conversation going. However, with this new season of the zine, yeah, that's a really big thing that I'm really trying to to get to do this time around is to really create those event opportunities and those spaces to have these conversations, to share food, to break bread together and to, yeah, to kind of just talk about, you know, being what it's like to be an immigrant here in Ireland and to invite people into that space, into those conversations as well. So this first Supper Club on October 21st will be the first of those conversations, but hopefully between now and the launch, we will continue that. I'm wondering about the support that you've had through building the zine, what it was like after you did have that event and you debuted the first issue. What sort of support do you need in order to be able to grow it into the future? Yeah, the support has been incredible. I have to say, I very much started this from the ground up. I started it with um, a really small grant from my local arts council here. And I'm from Louth and they supported me in producing the first issue and so I kind of hopped onto the scene as like nobody that has no interest inherent interest in food and was like I'm making a food scene everyone um and so it was it really came from nothing and came out of like this it came out from the air to be totally honest and um I think just the the firstly the fact that it's immigrant centered and immigrant led I think there was a lot of interest in that from a lot of people, a lot of journalists, a lot of people within the food scene in Ireland, and they're an incredibly supportive community of people. And so they were really interested. I think this is very much a first of its kind in a lot of respects here in Ireland. And so there's a lot of people who were like, this is very necessary and very important work. Um, And that created a lot of, garnered a lot of attention and created a lot of support for the project. And then 
between when I first announced it and the launch, I think there was yeah a lot of journalists and a lot of people kind of offering support, offering spaces to write articles. I had a lot of people who um, just saw it as a really interesting initiative. And that kind of baffled me because I hadn't even released anything into the world. Even the sheer fact of like getting these interviews into the zine from like the likes of Richie from Baha'i and some of these chefs across Dublin, I was like, you also don't know if I'm going to ever print this. You're, you have a lot of faith in me and I'm really honoured by that. And so it was an incredible amount of support even before the launch. And then once it launched, the support kind of was just catapulted It's in, in really, really beautiful ways. There was a huge community of people that got to see the launch event come to fruition and they were blown away by seeing Hen's Teeth kind of just run by migrants like the whole mm-hmm. the kitchen was the person in the the chef for our event was my auntie and my mom was in the kitchen and my sisters and my friends and we were all kind of in this like amazing beautiful hen's teeth space kind of serving people jollof rice and fried rice and jerk chicken and these amazing foods and so people were really really in- interested by that and then yeah I think ever since then it's just been it's been really an interesting journey and ride I have to say it's been a roller coaster for sure just seeing the way people have kind of like rallied behind the project and yeah I think to continue the work it's just um, I think people have been really respectful if you will of the fact that this is immigrant-led and immigrant-centered and I think to continue the work that um, that's something that's really important to me and yeah I think if people just keep showing up and keep sharing I keep this very loose I keep this really really simple like I'm not pretending to be you know a big conglomerate of like food scenes or anything I'm very much like hey guys it's me victory it's me and this is what I'm struggling with with the zine this week and this is what I'm not struggling with with the zine is there anyone that can support anyone that can help and people have rallied around really quickly and that is very much the spirit I grew up with in my community. So it's really great to see it play out in the food community and wider and um, yeah, further than I imagined. So yeah, I just kind of need to continue needing, I continue to need that kind of like really easy support from people whenever I'm kind of like stuck because I don't pretend to be a machine. I'm like, this is a one woman job, please have patience. And people are really great with that. So that's yeah. great. I think that that the development of different cultural foods and stuff that has happened since my dad has left is super exciting. But I would also imagine that there are some people in Ireland who are not as open to that. When the news, I've been seeing a lot of really pro- problematic protests against migrant communities that are moving into Ireland. And so I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the role that you think food can play in kind of pushing back against those kinds of issues that are happening and whether or not you have received any kind of pushback from the from the communities that you're creating and the conversations that you're trying to have around food in Ireland. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, when it comes to food, I, I don't pretend sometimes, I don't necessarily see food as like this paint all or cover all like like over a lot of these issues i think that these issues are really they're a lot deeper than what food can cure or can fix however i think when it comes down to it like everyone eats is what i say like i it's really funny sometimes when it comes to food and like people who are not as tolerant with um immigrant communities because that they might they will say these things with like a chinese in their hand or whatever and you're laughing because like 
okay, like the disconnect is real, it's real. But I think, I suppose when it comes down to it, like food is, it is a, it is a bridge and that's cliche, but there is, it is a bridging thing. Like I said, everyone eats and everyone, um, no one's going to, or at least no one that I know is going to profess to only being stuck on only eating whatever like one type of food like everyone wants to try something new or to try different foods and I think there's a lot of people especially in immigrant communities I think of people coming in through the direct provision system or coming in in very precarious um, ways or in precarious circumstances who if there's nothing that they can do to kind of create a sense of to kind of allow people to get to know them or to kind of see them as human it's usually offering food like that's kind of like the first step like can I even within the centers or within these spaces it's helping each other to cook from different communities and cultures and if it's if there's a way for them to share that outside I know for a fact that a lot of them would or will or try to if they if they have the opportunity and so I think that there is this sense that like when it comes down to food and what you can offer a person even beyond food it's hospitality and I think that hospitality is embedded into so many people's cultures and psychs and um that sense of hospitality is I think has the a huge potential or it has massive potential to yeah to create those bridges if you will between these sort of different idea ideologies again I don't profess to say like food is this big coverall over these things but I think hospitality is a big thing and that's something that I'm really passionate about when it comes to be as the food but it's also the hospitality like I keep saying be as less about the food and more about the stories and all of those stories are happening for me and the in um, spaces of hospitality, there's people who are literally opening their homes to me to come and sit down and eat with them so that they can tell me their stories. And I might not be able to tell you what I ate, but I will tell you that story and I'll tell you that the food was amazing. And they'll be like so satisfied with the fact that they were able to open up their home to me and open up and share, you know, in their space and in their home and of their food with me. And I think that that is, it's created a, a sense of, yeah, it's created a real solidarity between me. My mom usually goes with me to these interviews and it's created a real sense of solidarity between myself and my mom and different communities that we may not have ever got to interact with. And I think that that is the potential of hospitality and food with between different communities and different people, because there is a lot of parallels, no matter, like you mentioned, you know, like your dad in Tullamore and um, there is like whether you're an immigrant or not an immigrant, there are parallels between the way we interact our relationships with food and community and culture, identity and heritage. And I think that there people are always wanting to share that whenever they sense those um those connections. So yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm really trying to drive home in a, in a large sense with Bia when I say celebrating our food, connecting our stories, and sort of centering ourselves in that way. Like that's what I'm really trying to push is the sense that like hey it's less about the food it's more about connecting people through the sense the shared sense of solidarity around culture food hospitality and the way that we do food not necessarily the way we make food but the way we do food whether that's eating it whether that's making it whether that's sharing it we all do food in a really specific way in our culture and I think that um that has it like everyone like for me at least in my perspective everyone I've interacted with has been really interested in seeing how people do food 
in different in different ways. And so, yeah, I think that that's that's maybe a really simple, easy solution. But it's it's kind of where I sit when it comes to Bia and like the way Bia can like play a role in in brokering these conversations between different communities or just like kind of creating the space for people to to see each other i think food can serve like um purpose of like connecting to one's own culture and memories but then it also has this bridge building ability of like it's a way that you can reach out to others and connect with people that don't share those experiences which i don't know if there's anything more you wanted to add on the, that sort of those dual powers of food or like what you focus on, you know, what you focus on. I feel like you kind of just talked about it at length and um, yeah, it's just a very interesting kind of ability that food has. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think it's really interesting. Cause like, again, for me with food growing up, I had like, I say like a child's palate, like literally my, the food, I, I was just really a picky eater and mm-hmm. I was so scared to try people's food and things like this. It's true. Be and like li- literally just kind of like thinking a lot less about like what I'm about to eat, if you will. And more like the whole like thing that went about what I'm about mm-hmm. to eat, like this whole process and this whole thing. And that's been really beautiful for me and kind of restructuring how I view food and foods become much more than just like this kind of flavor profile thing for me and it's become more of like this whole like experience and experiential thing and that I think is is really beautiful and it has like I said it has a real potential at least for me it has a huge potential and kind of kind of bridging communities and I'm seeing that a lot with Bia because even though it is this immigrant-led, immigrant-centered project. The readership and the people who are interacting with B are mainly not like not from like communities that I'm necessarily talking to or featuring in this. There are a lot of Irish people, like people who've grown up here their whole life, who just have an interest in different cultures and communities. And it's really, really been interesting to see how they've interacted with these stories and how they've interacted with the idea of zine centering immigrant stories and food. And yeah, I think that that's really what B is the the really beautiful thing that B is doing is just like kind of creating this, yeah, conversation or brokering these different communities and telling each other that like, yeah, we all do food in our own way. Um, and like, I think there's a sense of openness for me growing up. I wasn't sure that there was an openness to how people do food because I was really embarrassed about my food growing up. So I couldn't, I was never confident that people were willing to understand how we did food as Nigerians. And I think Bia is really saying like, hey, this is how we do food. This is how this other community does food. And seeing people respond to that has been really, for lack of a better word, empowering for me and like going into work with my like food now and I'm like I ask me my questions I'm ready to answer um I wasn't ready to answer a few years ago but now I'm really ready to answer and I think there's a lot of people who are getting that sense from even just contributing to Bia or seeing how people are responding to Bia and being like hey people want to hear what we're eating and want to know what immigrants are eating and there's a lot of pride about that now in the community of people I'm interacting with at least so yeah it's it's making me think about how the contribution of some of these stories and conversations can allow people to um, kind of break down the transactional nature that people usually have with food. It's like when you were talking, I was thinking about in the, 
you know, more traditional food media, there's so much of an emphasis on chefs, um, on how the food is made. What? I was just about to talk, talk <laughs> oh. about that. It was like, <laughs> like exactly where my head sorry. was going too. That's really funny. Why? He's sitting across the table from me. Maybe that's a bad a, idea. It's a like, healthy, why is he happy glare. At me? Not like a bad No. <laughs> that was my question. <laughs> um, apologies. We are married to one another. Yeah. So there's so much of an emphasis on, on chefs, like how the food is prepared and even really like how the food is made and people talk Rest, about like restaurants, like rest. Well, yeah. Purchasing food, purchasing in a food, you know, yeah. But even in, yeah. And even that transactional, like you're going to just pay for it and you're going to go away. But even in, you know, people talk a lot about someone said something recently about the idea that if you make food like with love, that the food is going to taste better, which sure I believe, but, but I don't know if there's like a similar adage for like the way that food is embraced or the way that food is eaten or what happens to the food after it's actually made and if it's it's shared and in the process. And um, that's what I see coming through a lot of the, like most, if not all of the articles in the first issue of the magazine is like what happens next, mm-hmm. which I yeah. think is missing. Yeah. And the other thing, I mean, there's so much more to food than what happens in, in restaurants mm-hmm. and with like professional chefs, like everybody eats food all the time, but not everyone's eating food made by a professional chef or is a professional chef. So it's like, you know, I think the, but I think a lot of that mainstream writing is about restaurants because there's like, that's where money is. And so mm-hmm. it makes sense for them in, you know, in magazines and newspapers to write about restaurants. And then every once in a while you get a story about, you know, something that's like more cultural or food that people eat in their home, but it's not just, it's just not the focus. Um, so I think what you're doing is so important because, you know, and I love the way you describe like doing food and not just, you know, what we do around food and not just the eating of it or how it tastes, but there's just like so much more, so much more to it than that. And it's, yeah. It's great. That's how we feel <laughs> about yeah. food. And like, it's really wonderful to be able to share those stories. Yeah, for sure. And to see the, and to see the impact that it has on the community and then bring people together in a new way. Yeah, for sure. That's just, that's the big thing. That's like, that's Bia. Like for me, I put a lot of childhood photos in Bia because if you go through the zine, it's like baby photos up in there. Like I have photos from like everywhere and every era. Um, and I got people to submit their childhood photos as well. Because of that, I think that um, food is heritage, it's culture, it's tradition. There's so much that's inter- like entangled and twined into what food is and like, each morsel that we put in our mouth. And so when like people tend to ask me like, oh, what's your favorite restaurant and things like this? And I'm like, I, I don't know. To be honest, because I, I I'm not talking about restaurants and things when I talk about be a sure featured some people who are doing some really great stuff in the food world and food businesses and food space. But I remember when I was speaking to those people and I was like, I'm not I'm I'm less interested in like your business. No offense, but I, I like what brought you to that? Like, tell me that story of like how you came to this point where you are able yeah. to share your food with other people. Um, and it's that history and that, that like journey that's that's really exciting for me. And I really try to kind of convey because my journey isn't is hasn't been linear with food. It's been years of 
being embarrassed and being picky and being unsure about trying other people's and other cultures' foods and being um, not so open and food became, like I said at the start, it's very much, it was this thing of like eating to survive. And that sounds like more ghastly than it really was. I wasn't necessarily like, I need to just eat. I was just eating and it wasn't anything anything to me and which is also a thing I think sometimes people just eat and that there's nothing to it but they're eating amazing food and during the first issue I went to two homes and they made um my mom's colleagues who were both Indian and they made the exact same dish with no consultation between each other but they made a curry a biryani and fried fish and it was so interesting to see how they just like this is what they were eating and they did it. And as per like, this is, I told them to just make what you'd make on a weekday because it was a weekday. And so they produced these like beautiful, beautiful dishes. And it was, it was really interesting because for me, like, yeah, I was like, these are, the dishes are so different. They're so, they're the same, but they're so different. How could you like, I, you, I wouldn't dare choose between either of them. I wouldn't be like, oh, this is, you know, cause they're, they made those things, those dishes really differently and based on different stories and different hair, like literally just the way that they make it. And it, I, yeah, I just found that really interesting. And for me, the journey to understanding food has been like, I still to, till this day, like I said, can't answer what my favorite restaurant is. I don't know what my favorite food is. I just know that like, if the story that comes with the food or the person that comes with the food is really interesting to me, I most likely am going to go away and be like, that was incredible. Cause like, it probably was and yeah that's kind of like how I've been approaching this project and how I've like kind of journeyed into understanding food and I'm really excited like I like you mentioned the people are responding really well to that and I think it's creating a sense of like I'm really passionate about telling people that this is not a food like this is not a food publication it's a publication that centers food that uses food as a tool but it's not just about food and I love saying that to people who are like pigeonholing a little bit be into mm. this thing that I'm like it's kind of transcends that a little bit because it's yeah I don't have the capacity to kind of sit here and talk about the intricacies of food but I can tell you that people are really interesting and they have really interesting stories and we should listen to them and give them space that's what we're doing absolutely so with that being said you mentioned that you're working on the second version or the second issue issue <laughs> wow <laughs> do you have a theme are you are you organizing it around a theme or are you are you able to tell us about that yeah no I don't have a theme and that's kind of been eating at me because I'm like to theme <laughs> not to theme that's mm-hmm. the like the burning question um the first issue didn't have a theme because I kind of assumed it was going to be the first and the last I did not think it was going to be as big um, as it kind of got to be. So the first issue kind of was free for all and encompassed a lot of different things. Um, and a lot of themes emerged from that first issue that I was kind of like, I'm interested in 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 theming this zine around something that came up from the first issue. But I, I have a feeling that I won't be doing that. Um, submissions are going to open in the next week or two. And I think it's going to once again be um, open just to share your stories around food and then kind of let the themes emerge. I think that that was really beautiful to see as the themes kind of emerged and kind of mapping out the the similarities between people's stories and being like, hey, the, a bunch of people here are talking about identity in different ways and a bunch of people here are talking about heritage and history in different ways and kind of grouping things in that way was really fun for me. And so I think I'm going to approach it in that manner again this time. But the scene will be slightly bigger um, 
slightly nicer and slightly fancier in a way. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Hopefully it will be out at the start of next year. Well, great. we'll have to have you back on the show <laughs> then to talk about it all again and see what themes emerged and what kind of experiences you had and all that stuff, right? Yeah. What's the best way for folks to keep in touch with you or follow along so they can find out when, when the next issue is out? Yeah. Instagram is always a good way to do these things. Um, it's Bia at underscore, at Bia underscore zine or on the website, just com, And then we have an email, which I check regularly enough, which is hello at com. Great. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was really great to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Dyed Green is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. Dyed Green is a project of Bog and Thunder, whose mission is to highlight the best of Irish food and culture through food tours, events, and media. Find out more at bogandthunder.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any story suggestions, questions, or things you'd like to share in response to our broadcast, you can email us directly at diedgreen at heritageradionetwork.org.